added by added by added by added by. There we go. Wow. Holy Spirit is speaking this morning. Yeah. Got the power verb on. So I thought to myself when I started this journey, well, when 2,000 years ago, when people were searching for the right answers, when they were looking for the right person to follow, when they were looking for a way to live life because the way in which they were living under the law was unachievable giving sacrifices and being holy and perfect was not the best way, was not the way that God ever intended us for to live in relationship with him. So I thought, well, Lord, what is it? How is it that we understand what it is to be a follower of Jesus? And of course, it comes from the teachings of Jesus. It comes from what Jesus encouraged us to live. Not, not some um, you know, motivational speaker saying you live like this and you'll be successful and powerful. But what were the words of Jesus? What were the stories he told? What were the parables? What were the instructions he gave to his disciples? Uh, and these people who stood on a hill and we see Matthew 5 to 7, the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus gave a whole lot of teachings on what it is to be a follower of his, what it is to live differently from the culture around them. And Jesus also told a whole lot of parables where he used stories to say when people asked him questions or, when, or to describe, I guess, or give, him, give us images of how it is to live for him. So this morning I want us to look at one of those stories that Jesus showed us. And I like to call them spiritual compass points. What is a compass to a compass? Helps direct us and guide us. It shows us the way in which we should be going. And so the Bible, and particularly, obviously, the New Testament, shows us a whole lot of spiritual compass points. So often I do think we kind of get caught up in reading books and listening to messages, but nothing could ever take away from that daily reading of the Word of God if we were to understand and be convicted by the Holy Spirit. What does it mean for me to follow you? What does it mean to be a disciple of yours? Because I hear lots of different messages, but what is it you're saying? So I want us to look in our Bibles this morning at Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verses 29 to 37. And this is a parable that Jesus told in answering a question that someone had asked him about following God, about living a life. And Jesus tells this story. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing. You've probably all heard this story. Wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil on and wine, and he set him on his own animal. Brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, two coins, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three you think was a neighbour to him who fell among the thieves? 
And the man said, He who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said, Go and do likewise. You want to see what a follower of Jesus looks like? You want to understand the character? So this morning we're going to look at lessons from the Good Samaritan story. Again, it's a well-known Bible verse. It's a well-known passage of Scripture for those who did Sunday school. When you were a kid, you probably heard this story more than a hundred times. And you've maybe done plays, and I certainly did dramas when I was in church where we enacted the Good Samaritan story. So it's so not, it's not something, something that is unfamiliar as a story, but I, I guess I'll have to pull out a few different things today from it, from it. and give us, give us some practical feet, I guess, I guess some ways, ways in which we can, we can understand what it is to live to like a good Samaritan. Samaritan. There are, there are a few different, different, I guess, I guess to start, to start off, off, there are three, three different characters who to me show three different attitudes to life. That we're we as Christians, I guess, society, society in general, general can have. We see the we first, see the first member, member of this cast well, was actually, well, actually thieves, thieves, or thief, or thief. And he comes, he comes and, he and he robs this man, man on, his way, on his way on this on road, road that, he's that he's on. They come, come and they rob and him, him and they wound him and they leave him there. And as I was reading this, I guess for me, me, I thought, I that, thought that, that kind of person, person that robber, robber represents, represents an attitude of, of what's, what's yours, yours is mine. Is mine. The, attitude the attitude that's so often in life is what's yours, what's yours what you what have, have, I want, I want and I will, and have. I will have. What I want, what I want from whomever we want, want, want however, however we want, want, we will take, we'll take it. Users and abusers. And abusers. No, I'm not no, looking, I'm looking at anyone here today, today. But I am but saying I am that in our society there is a temptation to say, well, it's, well, it's too hard to work for it, for it's too hard to, to whatever it might be, so I'm just going to take it. I'm going to be a taker from life. I'm going to take everything I can. You become that person who's like a robber. Always looking at how you can get what someone else is having. Selfish, self-absorbed, not caring about others. It's all about what can I do. We see the second cast members in this story being two religious people. We see a Levite and we see a priest. And they are walking along this same road. And they both see the man. They both see him lying there. And they both have an attitude that I would say could be described at, at like this. What is mine is mine. What is mine is mine. I'm too busy. It's too inconvenient. I need to protect myself. I need to protect my finances. I need to protect my time. I need to protect my talents. I need to make sure that I'm okay. And so if anything gets in the way of, that, of their comfort zone or maybe that feeling of what if I don't have enough and what if I do that and I miss out on that and what about the attitude that says what is mine is mine. And then we see the third kind of person. 
And the one that I guess I want to use as a framework to say, you want to know what it is to live like a follower of Jesus? Well, live like the Samaritan. Live the same attitude of the Samaritan that says, what is mine is yours. What is mine is yours. I'm willing to use what I have for the good of others. I'm willing to share my abilities, my time, my resources for the good of others. And ultimately, for the good of Christ. Because why do we do anything in, in our lives? Why should we do? Sorry, let me rephrase that. Why should we do anything we do in life? Because we want to honor Jesus. Because we want to point people to Jesus. Because we want Him to be lifted high. Because we want Him to be that person who, we, who people say, Wow. I want to have what he or she have got. I, I, I see Jesus in you by the way you live your life, by the way you give. And we may say, well, I don't have a lot. Well, you use what you've got. I can only do this. Well, great. Hey, I'm not, I'm not real good at singing. I'm not real good at dancing. I'm not real good at manual labor. But hey, I, I've got a lawnmower. So I can mow someone's lawn. I'm not real good at that, but hey, I make a mean apple crumble. I make a good meal. You go and do that. Hey, you know what? I don't have a lot of time because I work a lot, but you know what? In working a lot, it means that I've got money. And I can give more of that money away because what I have is never really mine anyway. When we're born, God breathes into our life. And the things that you're good at and the things you give is not because you are great and not that you are an excellent person or not any of those reasons. It's because God gives us what he gives us to be a blessing to him and to give into others. That's what a follower of Jesus is. A follower of Jesus is someone who says, what is mine is yours. You want to live like a disciple of Jesus? You show the people around that you're a follower of his, be like the Samaritan. Be like the Samaritan. No one else in this story shows, and Jesus deliberately tells this story because he's saying, you want to live like someone who represents me? Well, this Samaritan had it down. He stops. He looks after the man. He puts him on his donkey. He stops in an inn. He pays for his treatment. All of those things shows a person whose life is not about them. It's about what God wants to use in their doing of life, in how they go about life. He could have kept going. He could have ignored the man by the road. He could have dumped the man in the inn and said, there you go. I found him by the road and kept on walking. But he did none of that. He lived a life of what mine is yours. So I just want to, I guess, share three encouragements about how do we live a life like the Samaritan man? How do we live like a follower of Jesus where we say, I will live out of what is mine, is yours. And the first one I want to encourage each of us to do is to maintain a daily relationship with the Holy Spirit. You want to live a life that says, I will live my life for others. The easiest and the best way to achieve that is to daily live with the Bible open and time in quietness where you allow the Holy Spirit to speak into your life. 
allow time for you to hear what he has to say to you. Because when we're busy and when we're madly going through life and we cut him out, we miss out on the opportunities and we miss out on seeing what God has for us to do. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 43 to uh, 47, it describes the early church. It describes some of the characteristics of what they did and how they lived their lives. And it says, a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together constantly and shared everything they had. You hear that? They shared everything they had. What is mine is yours. They sold their possessions and they shared the proceeds with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Are you hearing the attitude of these people? All the while, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their group those who were being saved. That, to me, is a people who live like the Samaritans. A group of people who found a relationship with Jesus and lived counterculturally. They lived different to those around them. And as I pondered this, I want to say this. I really think that you can give financially, of your time, of your talents, and not love God. I think you can give and not love God. Think about this. Because you think about there are many rich and famous people who give a lot of money to good things. I was listening um, on the radio as a, um, a couple of days ago um, and they were talking to Nicole Kidman. And she was talking about all the things that she's done, all the charitable things she's done. A lot of money, a lot of things, investment into the arts, in, in helping young people. You would say she's a good person. You would say that she gives. But I want to say this to each and every one of you who is a follower of Jesus this morning. I really think that while you can give and not love God, I truly think that it's impossible to love God and be in close relationship with him and not be generous, and not be other-centered. I do not see how a follower of Jesus who is in close contact with the Holy Spirit, who is in love with him, can't be generous, and can't be other-centered, uh, um, other because you're living a life where the Holy Spirit, who, who lives not inward, but outward, is daily saying, hey, what about that? And what about helping in that area? And what about giving in that area? A lot of people, well, maybe not a lot, some people are scared of the voice of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they know if they start listening, he might start saying some stuff that's going to get a little bit awkward, a little bit uncomfortable. But you want to live a life like the Samaritan, you truly want to live like a follower of Jesus, you have to make that decision, well, I am going to live daily under the voice of the Holy Spirit. Daily in your word. That encourages me. Because when he speaks, he can say, and we will do anything. 
We'll use our time. We'll use our talents outside of our comfort zone. Any time, any amount. That is a follower of Jesus, and it's not an easy place to live because we are deep down inside selfish. We're deep down inside people who are fearful. What would happen if I give too much of my money away? I might not be able to do this. I might not be able to pay my bills. What about my retirement? All sensible things. But to live a life under the voice of the Holy Spirit where we're hearing what he has to say is a life of a follower of Jesus. What happens when we listen to the Holy Spirit? What happens when we live a life that is others-focused? Well, we see right at the end of this passage in Acts that it says, daily the number were added to them. People came into the kingdom because they saw a life sold out for Jesus. They saw a life of others. They saw a life that said, I will live for you. And it changed their actions. Already this morning, I have heard what your church has done. I was celebrating with Joe a couple of months ago, whenever it was, when I got the email to say about that fantastic grant for that youth centre. I hear that, the, you know, you do your lights display. Well, that, hey, that could be used to, I don't know, paint your building. It could be used to have a great slap-up function. What are you doing with it? You're using it in case someone else needs help. That is exactly what I'm talking about and I guess I want to say to you keep going as a church keep living like that because people are going to see a generosity in a heart that says it's not about me it's about how I can be someone for others let me tell you a story happened in December 7 1988 in a place called Armenia they had a huge earthquake this earthquake was off the Richter scale. 30,000 people died in just four minutes. Just four minutes. 30,000 people. Businesses lay demolished. Houses were just splinters. And the story's told of a father of a little 10-year-old boy. And the 10-year-old boy's name was Armando. And this father is at his office when the earthquake hits. And the first thing he, he thinks of when the earthquake stops is Armando. He was at school. So Armando's father gets out and he runs. And he finds his way to the school in whatever way we can. Roads are blocked. He goes round the other way. Mountains of rubble. He goes over and round it. Nothing was going to stop him getting to that school. When he gets there, he sees that the school has been demolished. And there's a whole lot of other parents desperately wailing and crying. But it doesn't stop on Mando's dad. He pushes through and he works out where would his classroom be. He pushes through and he starts to dig a hole with his hands. Rock after rock. Wood piece after wood piece to try and get to his son. Ten hours pass he continues to dig others are saying give up await the experts await for the machinery but he will not stop 24 hours pass hands bleeding heart racing he will not stop 24 36 after 38 hours Armando's father 
picks up a rock and hears the words, Papa, Papa, Papa. Papa, you found me. You found me. Passion to find what was lost paid off. What a great story of a love between a father and a son. And it's a great image of what Christ did for us. But can I tell you, that's also the attitude that we have when we're in deep and close relationship with the Holy Spirit. That nothing becomes too hard. That we are willing to do what he's asked us to do, no matter how it affects us. And it's probably not digging a hole for 36 or 38 hours, but it may be something that's not convenient. It may be something that's challenging. It may mean us going out of the way. It may mean slowing down our life. It may mean giving when you think, hey, well, but as someone who's in walking with the Holy Spirit will do anything at any time and will get out of their comfort zone. I bet you're wishing, gee, I wish Joe you had someone else preach this morning because it's hard hitting. It's a journey I've been on and I don't point the finger at any of you because while I preach this, I point the finger at me. But if we truly say we want to be followers of Jesus, sometimes some of Jesus' teachings are hard. The second way I want to encourage us, obviously the first way is to stay in close contact with the Holy Spirit, is to see yourself as a river, not a reservoir. See yourself as a river, not a reservoir. One of the things we, I think that sometimes we forget is that God is the owner of everything. He's the owner of our life. He's the owner of our money. He's the owner of our possessions. He's the owner of our giftings. He's the owner of our time. He's the owner of our friendships. When we give our life to Jesus, we're not just giving him a part of it. I'll give you my Sunday morning. I'll give you my five till six when I have my devotions, whatever it might be. When you give your life to Jesus, you're saying, you own everything. I am just using it. And if you want me to live differently, if you want me to use it, you show me. The problem comes that so often we see all that Jesus has given us, all that he's blessed us with. We see our time, we see our finances, we see what we're good at, and we start to see ourselves as a reservoir of what God has given us, a keeper of it, a good steward of it, that I need to look after this. I need to make sure that I, that I look after my money well and I look after my time well. We keep everything for ourselves. Don't give away everything Jesus has given me. I will steward well. That is a reservoir. It's there. It's looked after. It's contained. It's cared for. But we were never called to be a reservoir. We were called to be a river. What is a river? A river doesn't have, isn't contained. What Maybe there's some banks on either side, but it's free-flowing. And water comes in and water goes out. And water comes in and water goes out. Our money, our possessions, our time is given to us. And we live life with Jesus. And he says, I want you to steer it this way. And you steer your life that way. And he steers it that way. We live like a river, not a reservoir.
want to live as a follower of Jesus, you've got to see your life as a river. You've got to see your life as somebody who says, hey, everything you've given me, may it be free-flowing, not holding on. I'm not talking about being wasteful. I'm not talking about burning yourself out, giving all every hour of the day, not sleeping and not eating. That's dumb. That's stupid. But what I am saying, not living a life where we're so contained, so looking inward, so thinking I've got to guard this thing called my life and what it, all that contains, but to say, hey, Jesus, do what you want through me with what you've given me. 2 Corinthians 9, 10 to 11 says, For God is the one who gives seed to the farmer and then bread to eat. God gives the seed, the farmer looks after it, and then at the end he gets bread. In the same way, he will give you many opportunities to do good and he will produce a great harvest of generosity in you. You hear that? He will give you great or many opportunities to do good. He's given you the seed. What will he use that seed of your life for? To do good and produce a great harvest of generosity. That's what our life is about. It's about living a generous life. The third and last thing I want to encourage each of us about as I've been thinking and praying this through as we live daily as a follower of Jesus to be more like the Samaritan is to respond to the needs around you. You don't have to go to Africa to serve Jesus. You don't have to go to Sydney to serve Jesus. You don't have to leave Oberon to serve Jesus. Because as we read this passage of the parable of the Good Samaritan, we see that it says, talking about him, the Good Samaritan, as he journeyed. As he saw him. He wasn't, he was just going with his normal day. He was just on his way to work. He was on his way to wherever it might be. He was just doing what he normally did. And he saw the need and stopped. He saw the need and did something about it. You know what? Sometimes I think it's easier for us to pay missionaries because we say, hey, I'm putting money in and they're doing a great work and we forget the fact that we, just like the Good Samaritan, are on a journey ourselves. And you don't have to be special. You don't have to be a missionary. You don't have to have done Bible college training. You just need to keep on the journey. And you just need to keep your eyes open that says, as he journeyed, as he went about his life, his eyes were open. He sees the man by the road. He sees that he's in pain. He sees that he's suffering. He sees there's a need. And what does he do? He responds. Even in the busyness of his day. I don't know what he was doing, but it sounds to me like he was on his way somewhere. He wasn't just walking down that road for fun. I don't think he was walking down that road particularly to look after people who'd been bashed up. He was on his way. He was doing what he'd done. And there he sees the need. Other people had walked that road. Other people had seen this man. The Good Samaritan stops. Others, too busy. 
to feel for her own life? What if it's a setup? What would happen if this happened? The Samaritan maybe had those thoughts, but it certainly didn't stop him doing something about it. The Samaritan saw, and the Samaritan responded. And I've got to tell you, this is a daily challenge to me. I don't know what it's like living out in Oberon, but certainly in Sydney, in Sydney traffic, in Sydney appointments, I get frustrated. I can tell you the number of people that I have driven by as the Lord, as the Holy Spirit has convicted me, and certainly something I tell you to be honest, not because I'm proud, who have stopped by the road because their car is broken down or they have a flat tire. Gee, I'd like to stop, but I'm supposed to be meeting with that pastor in 10 minutes and already I'm 20 minutes late because of stupid traffic, because of this stupid person whose tire went flat. You've caused me to be late. I have a Levite or a priest perception. How many times have I not gone and done what I know I should do for that neighbor in my street? Because I've lived looking at my own life rather than saying, Jesus, keep my ears open. Keep my eyes open to what you want me to see. A challenging message I know this morning. And I've got to tell you, I fought doing this message because I want you to like me. I want Pastor Joe to say, hey, the church loved you because you gave such an encouraging message. But I've got to tell you, the Holy Spirit just is has been challenging me. I want to challenge you. And I'm not, and maybe some of you have got the attitude of the Samaritan. You're doing far better than me. Well done. Keep it up. But I think all of us need to do that self-audit. And maybe look at our areas in our life where maybe we've become more like the Levi and the priest. Maybe the robber in how we live our lives. Always guarding. Maybe we've become like a reservoir and not a river. I want everyone just to close your eyes right where you are this morning. As I said, I want the Holy Spirit to speak, not me. And if anything I have said has been like a clanging gong and you've just thought, ooh, ouch and it's come from me, well, you just ignore it. But if the Holy Spirit maybe has just illuminated some area in your life, maybe he's speaking to you about something in your life where you, you know that you have tried to hold things in and you haven't seen the need. You've seen the need, but you haven't responded to it. Maybe there's something here in church. Maybe there's something going on in, in the place where you work or the school that you go to or the neighborhood that you live in. And I want you just to surrender yourself and say, Holy Spirit, may I be that river, not that reservoir. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Give me ears to hear, even when I don't want to hear it. Holy Spirit, have your way here this morning.
too quiet, that's going to be confronting, can't it? And in those times of quietness is when the Holy Spirit will speak. We're going to celebrate communion together as a family. Just like Armando's dad, Christ came into our world when we were broken and we were hurting and none of us would be sitting here this morning if it wasn't for Jesus. And as the people come out the front this morning holding the emblems, you can come out in family groups, make sure you're socially distancing and it will be given to you. And you can go and return back to your seat. But I want you to take it with an attitude this morning that says, Holy Spirit, may I live like you, Jesus. May I live with a generosity. May I live with a sacrificial heart. May I live with the same attitude that took you to the cross. You didn't want to go there. You struggled. It was painful. But you went. It wasn't convenient. You just knew that that was your destiny. And this morning, as you take that communion, as you take that piece of wafer and you take that small amount of juice, can I encourage you, may you think about what I have said. And just as Jesus did it, say, Jesus, I want to live like you did as you walk to that cross. So if you want to come out the front, guys, that would be fantastic. Just in your time, come and you'll be given the communion pack and then take it back to your seat and then we'll finish with a song this morning. So come on up and remember what Jesus did, saying, may I live and act like you did. Take and eat. And then as he took the cup, this is my blood shed for you. Drink it in remembrance of me.
Jesus, the highest call in our life is to be like you, to live like you. And Father, so often we miss the mark. We become complacent. We become dull. We become tired. Lord, our attitude stinks. But this morning I just pray that, Lord, as I have spoken, that you may have used those words to speak to each of us, Lord, just to maybe tweak areas in our lives. Lord, you never come to condemn. But, Lord, you come to encourage. You come to lead us on. You come to say, walk with me. Father, we do thank you for what you did on that cross. We sent your own son to die for us. But Lord, while we were still sinners, you died for us. Lord, you paid the price. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you showed in your own life what it is to live a life that's a river, not a reservoir. So Holy Spirit, I just pray for this church. I pray for Oberon CLC. Lord, I pray that you will continue to give it favour in this community. Lord, that they will shine your light so strongly that, Lord, many will say, there is a place where truth is found and people love and they give and they share their lives with us. Father, for each person, Lord, wherever they go tomorrow, whether it be work or school, whether it be at home, Holy Spirit, speak to them each and, at, each and every minute of the day. Guide them, direct them, open their eyes and their ears to what you're saying and doing. Lord, we just thank you for the privilege it is to be a follower of you. And we, this morning we commit ourselves to you once again and say, Holy Spirit, I am yours. Awesome.